0: session with Dr. Farid Hulakoui. Good evening. Welcome to In Session. I'm your host, Dr. Fadi Tolaq, I'll be with you for the next hour here on Radio Hamra. Not taking any calls because we have a special guest with us tonight who well, I'll introduce you to you now. You probably know him already. He doesn't need an introduction, but I'll give it to you anyway. Payam Peter Banifaz is an actor, writer, and comedian residing in Los Angeles. You maybe have seen him on Instagram at pbani with his hilarious videos. He was born in Tehran and his family immigrated to the US when he was six, sorry, eight years old. He's a classically trained actor who studied with Howard Fine, Tom Toderoff, Doug, Doug War, Warhit, and Lewis Smith, among many others. He is a veteran alumni and performer at the Upright Citizens Brigade, and he's been on many, many shows, including three seasons as a recurring guest star on Shameless, Perry Mason, Lethal Weapon, Bosch, Silicon Valley, Veep, Broken 99 9 Mom, and many others as well as several unaired network pilots. Some of his feature film work includes Don't Worry, He Won't Get Far on Foot, Hail Caesar, and also Everything Everywhere All, everywhere, at, once. all at Once, which just came out. And he, you got to hear his voice right there. John. thank you for joining me tonight. <laughs>
1: thank you so much
0: for having me. I appreciate that. And, you know, um, when I posted today that I would have you on the show, so many people responded because they've been seeing your your videos on instagram and it actually reminds me we were talking before we came on the air for a lot of times we see people like oh they just blew up out of nowhere mm. but as i was reading there you've been doing the work for for many years now as an actor and a comedian
1: yeah I'm, i started when uh i started about like 15 years ago just kind of getting into it and trying to work my way up um but the uh instagram videos i started doing that during the pandemic because um i was just bored and mm-hmm. anxious at home, and uh, I had no other real creative outlet. I do a lot of live shows, and then like you know, I do a lot of filming and stuff like that, and uh, during the pandemic I couldn't do any of that, yeah. so I just kind of started doing these videos because I wanted to show a lot of my non-Iranian friends a little bit about my culture and have them laugh with me about it because I'm constantly complaining that there's really not enough uh, representation of Iranians in film and TV or Middle East in general, right. So I was like, you know, instead of complaining about it, maybe I could be part of that change. I, but I didn't really think anyone's gonna <laughs> I didn't think anyone's gonna watch them to be honest, It just except my friends and it kind of just sort of, Went from you know people yeah. just started watching and sharing it and yeah yeah I yeah that's like I actually remember probably early in the pandemic seeing some of your videos and then
0: yeah they were just getting and they got funnier I feel like too I'm sure you kind of maybe something we could talk about too I think like is artists finding your voice and then trusting that more and more becomes part of the process but I remember seeing your videos and and they do make light of persian culture and the persian experience but also humanizes it in that way like you're saying so it's like not just obviously like the kind of stereotypes of being a terrorist or being something that we see in the media it's like yeah we have families we have moms and dads and uncles that uh people probably can relate to too i think there's often overlap between cultures and like the things that our our family members do uh but i think you do a great job of you know bringing light to some pretty important topics even you. you have a, you know one where it's like if my dad persian dad was a mm-hmm. therapist you know and so as a therapist i kind of laughed at that one uh probably a little bit too hard and i was like uh-huh. i might take my job but but it's like you know those points like how we look at things like feelings and emotions and and often, or don't look at feelings and emotions because it's not okay to do that. So I thought that that's pretty cool that you do seem to shine a light on certain things that all sort of
1: things. That it's not just to it's like laugh, but then also maybe we realize we can change some things in our culture as well. Absolutely. I mean, I you know, I think for me, I started seeing most of these sort of these little issues we have in our culture as I got older I I wasn't conscious of it but as I got older and just started seeing how mental health is being treated let's say in American culture Western culture and just comparing it to how we look at it um, I feel like a lot of our people in our culture suffer very needlessly Mm -hmm. you know Uh, Mm -hmm. I think there's and I see this in a lot of older cultures not just us Asian cultures and African cultures where it's like everything is about sort of holding yourself together everything is about Mm -hmm. sort of just kind of always showing the world that you're okay Mm -hmm. and uh sometimes we're not okay (laughs) and and we have every right to feel our feelings and you know and uh sort of not have to feel ashamed from them you know i love my dad but growing up if i was crying my dad always says like son men don't cry Mm -hmm. and uh it really wasn't until later on and I was just like wait a minute that doesn't make any sense you know like yeah. so um, I was able to let that go but that's like a big theme that I that I grew up with not just me a lot of my sure. friends too and a lot of them weren't even Iranian but the same thing and it was always from their dads pretty much
0: yeah yeah, yeah I mean that's it well that's interesting one like the male emotional experience, especially in most cultures, even American culture, but you see it in the Middle Eastern culture. Um, And something you said that's interesting is like, when we grow up, we kind of just assume that's life. Like whatever, Mm -hmm. however your parents are, you know, I've worked with families, no matter how abusive or toxic it was, they assume this is life. And then you get older and you kind of now can have some perspective of like, wait, it didn't have to be that way, or maybe some of those things I was taught weren't the way or the right way. And so I think it's not until you get a little bit older that you can even recognize the nuance or recognize some of those things that you were seeing. And you also, being an immigrant, had to kind of bridge two cultures. I'm sure you had to see it from multiple perspectives
1: as well. Uh, definitely. I mean, when I first came here... Um I mean, I was young and I was kind of ignorant. I didn't really know what to expect in the U.S. Sure. And I just I actually thought everybody I, I assumed everybody in America is like white mm-hmm. and like blue eyed and blonde. And where we moved to, we moved to Canoga Park, north side of Canoga Park. And this was back in 89. And all most of my neighbors were Mexican, uh, El Salvadorian, Filipino, uh, Vietnamese. And I had never met people like that before. So I. Mm-hmm. Um, Luckily, they, you know, I learned a lot from them about actually how to be an American, and I was able to sort of transition. It it, it wasn't as much as a culture shock because I noticed how much culture we share with. I, I shared with them the, all mm-hmm. these people that I name, all these uh, cultures that I name, all very family oriented, and. There was just a lot of things we had in common so i was able yeah. to bond with them quickly so i got lucky being in that environment
0: yeah you know it's actually funny we my family we moved to oak park in 19 like uh. 90 like around right so in 1989 we moved from a different part of la i guess you moved from <clears throat> iran at that point you moved mm-hmm. <clears throat> and anyway so that's interesting and i yeah the cultural experience that you share i think is really important because yeah we talk about iranian culture we want to represent that but then we start to see the overlaps i think when we stay in our cocoons, we think our culture is so unique and it always does have its unique aspects. But once we start talking about these things like mental health and men being told not to cry, you see that in so many cultures and we're thankfully overcoming that. But I think the first step is that we can share that together of like, oh yeah, you went through that too. I went through that and that itself can be a bonding moment. And what you're doing with your videos, it puts it out there that Persians are laughing because they can relate exactly to it. But I think a lot of people from different cultures are like, oh yeah, we
1: have something like that you know, where I'm from, too. You yeah, know? I, I get so happy when I have other people like from different cultures like, yeah, us, too. Like, oh, Iraqis were like this, too. Mm-hmm. Or like, uh, you know, us Chinese are like this, too. Like, And I see that a lot, especially on TikTok, too. TikTok is sort of like, it has a more diverse algorithm, so it gets to uh-huh. different types of people. So different types of people see uh, the work easier, I guess. Um, and um, I'm always surprised by sort of that shared experience with, with cultures that like I you know I guess I, I realize now you really can't assume anything it's like uh, we are all so much more similar than we are different mm-hmm. all yeah. over the world Yeah,
0: I totally agree with that. And as you know, like mental health, like you brought up before too, that's something that, yeah, I would say in America, it's a little more accepted, let's say than Iranian culture, especially more traditional Iranian culture. But we still have a stigma of mental health here in the United States that we're thankfully moving towards reducing, but we have it there. And so like those things you're saying that we're okay all the time. I think so many cultures can relate to that, that you don't share with people that you have problems. You always say you're okay. You always have to, you know, especially as a man, never cry or never be weak, so to speak, by showing emotions. And so we can, I think more people than we realize can relate to that. And and that's a big thing about it. It's like, there's always a sense of, it's like only me or it's only us. And then when we put it out there, only then can we start to see that, oh, we go through that too or we know that kind of experience. I think that's really cool that you get that. Yeah, I've heard that TikTok
1: has that the, uh, it's a little bit more like you might reach more people. Yeah, it's a different algorithm. It's it's based on sort of like as soon as you post something, the first, let's say, hundred people that comment on it, watch it, share it, they're the ones that technically set the algorithm for Um, that particular video. Like how far it goes out, how fast and whatnot. Uh, Instagram, I've learned, is more of a, has more of a do with like the time you post mm-hmm. and the day you post and stuff like that. Um, and I've only learned that stuff just because from sure. posting So I had no clue of any yeah, of these things before. I'm sure there's um, a science to it, yeah. Definitely. It's I'm like actually a reading a book on, it. yeah,
0: it's so funny. The book I'm reading is called System Air. One of the authors is Iranian, but it's about kind of big tech and some things about that and some algorithms and things are in oh, But right anyway, That's cool. but um, yeah, so it's an interesting kind of thing that you, you expose yourself also to different audiences that way, you know, another, common theme in cultures that we see, especially non-American cultures, is going into the arts being frowned upon, you know? So some of the things we say, like, you know, Persians, you can either be doctor, lawyer, engineer, or something like that. You talk to people, Indian, you know, people will say the same thing, different cultures will say the same thing. So I'm kind of curious about your own experience and also as much as you're willing to get into about your own family and that process of choosing to go into the arts. It wasn't easy.
1: Tell I you can that. imagine, yeah. I, it's a, you know, um, when I first told my dad, um, I had told my mom before uh, I told my dad. <laughs> she was just sort of like the more easier going sure. one. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, um, you know, she was like, okay, you know, it's, it's, if that's what you want to do, then that's what you want to do. How I think old she was were you awkward. when that happened? I, I was... 27 when i oh, okay. was like that's it so i, I actually started a little late because for a long time i was like i knew i wanted to do it but i was just so afraid and i just felt like there's no way something like that could happen for someone like me mm. so like i just held off on it for so long until i couldn't interesting l- sort of lie to myself anymore and am like no this is what i want to do yeah um and what were you doing before that yeah i was gonna go to law school yeah i like got okay. my Degree, I got my uh, bachelor's in political science, and I was studying for the LSAT when it just it was just one day where I was just like, I couldn't, and it's so weird when I explain this to you, but it's like, I, I reached a point one day where I was like, I can't go one more day like this. I can't go one more day not admitting to myself that this is what I want to do, mm-hmm. and this is what I have to do, because... You know, yeah. nobody gets out of his life alive. So it's no. like I have, you know. And I told my dad, and he was deaf. He was very, very upset, and he was very, very disappointed. And it took me a very long time to get him on board. Mm-hmm. He didn't, and he got on board once he started seeing me bringing home money. To be honest, that's kind <laughs> of like really what it was. But it's like yeah. I, it's not like he was against the arts. He's actually a big fan of like movies and music and mm-hmm. whatnot. And he plays uh, the drums himself. Like, but it—he it, just was too worried. Like, dude, there's no way you can make this happen like this. And he's like, he was like, nobody wants to see an Iranian on TV. Mm. Nobody wants to see an Iranian in the movies. Like, oh. you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um,
0: yeah that's interesting. It's always that protect. You know, it's, it comes from a protective. Oh, place, absolutely. Right? I yeah.
1: never took it as anything other than he was just scared. Yeah. Um, you know, he 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 would get angry and and we would fight. But it was just. I also think maybe he grew to respect me as a man when he saw that. Like, no, this is what I wanted to do, and I put mm-hmm. my entire heart and soul into it. Yeah. And um, so I think that helped to you know. And now he's just so supportive. He's you know, oh, that's great. He's always asking you know what I'm up to, and you know, give me suggestions on stuff, and so. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it was very hard in the beginning. <laughs> I that can imagine. Sucked.
0: Yeah, it often is, and I think it's. Um... Yeah, that's like interesting hearing your process with him that you had to, first it's even like convince yourself, it seems like a really like, or get out of your own way in the sense that yeah. like you knew that's what you wanted to do, which I think is so fascinating. I, I work with people in therapy and sometimes I can recognize there's almost an anxiety about figuring out what their dream is in life because then they know once they know, they either have to ignore it, which is going to hurt them, or they know they have to like make a lot of changes to make it happen and that could be scary too. So I think like people often don't wanna even know what their passion is as much as on one hand they want it, but there's an anxiety that comes with, if you know now you gotta go do it or you're gonna live the rest of your life
1: knowing you didn't do it and it was there and that's gonna eat away at you too, you know? Uh, I mean, I'll tell you, when I that night when I made my decision, I was like sitting on my bed and like, I was just like, I was so incredibly anxious. Um but I, I think what happened is the fear of what would happen if I didn't do this mm-hmm. was greater than the fear of what would happen if I do try to do it. Yeah. So it's like, I was like, what if I'm like 50 years old, and I suddenly it hits me like I didn't do this thing I always wanted to do, yeah. and then I'm gonna be miserable. And it's like I would rather do it, fail, and move on, mm-hmm. than not do it and fail. Um, yeah. And and again, it it's like. When you're doing it, you're not thinking of like, oh, I'm being so brave, or I'm, I'm, th- you're, you're scared. I was very, very scared and yeah. very worried and very scared of failure, and I had no idea what was gonna happen. But I just, like I said, I just couldn't go one more day without, mm. without not at least trying this thing. Yeah. And I was like, let me at least try. Like I'm not saying I can do it. Let me at least try. Then I tried and I started training, and then. I realized, no, I think I can do this, yeah, you no, know? I, and I think it's I actually like hearing
0: you share your story because I think a lot of people think, oh, you find your passion and then it's just like happily ever after after that, and it's not it's like you're no. saying even when you knew you were like super anxious and scared, but it felt like we you know we pick a lot of paths that are a little bit scary, but you're like this is this this is like the scary path I want to go on this is worth risking, and I think what you said about regret is so powerful because. Um, lately, I've been, even on my show, but with clients, really recognizing if we don't think about our own mortality that, mm-hmm. look, you, you, life ends, you won't have a, this future to keep doing everything you want to do in life. you either have to do it now or you might not get the chance. Um, and recognizing what are the things you might look back on in life and regret if you didn't do? And I think you're saying for you, that was like, if I never give this a chance, I know I'm going to regret Definitely. it and I don't want to live with that regret. And so... You know, you made that decision. You're like, no more reading comprehension and logic games. I gotta right, no. put the L side oh, away. God. And
1: go. <laughs> God, this is a nightmare. And, and I'll be honest, like, I'm, I'm not good at really a lot of things. Like, I was never too good in school. Uh, I don't think I'd do good, like, in the sciences to like become a doctor. Like, I, and I, and I, but I realize now it's like, okay, no, I was good at this one thing. I just kind of. Never got support in it. Mm-hmm. And I, so it wasn't something I could work on when I was young. Um, I always wish I, my one regret, and I try not to think about this, is that I wish I started much earlier, but then, you know, what yeah. can
0: you do? So, well, what can you, I think, yeah, you know, it's good to think about that. I think also you sharing this right now, I hope people listening, because, you know, it's, uh, the the soonest you can do it is now if you haven't done it yet so if anyone's listening I hope they'll contemplate some of those things we'll talk some more after the break but like I said I appreciate you sharing that story because I think people say oh you're an actor comedian you were like from day one that's all you were it's like no you, you know you had to go through this path to find that and then it took a leap at some point it wasn't just like the path opened up easily in front of you, you oh yeah. yeah 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 it was, it um, was we, are, we are at a commercial break but after the break we're gonna continue the conversation with payon Bani Faz we'll be right back Welcome back. Again, my guest tonight, actor, comedian Payom Banifaz and uh, Payom, before the break, we were talking about uh, going into the arts. And as we were saying, many cultures have this, you know, and it, it could come from a protective place. It comes from image of going into some selected fields like, you know, medicine engineering you were pre-law yourself um, and going to the arts can be frowned upon or you know you went through your own challenges and i know you you wanted to talk more on that because i think it is really important to encourage people that there aren't just these few career paths and it for me it's always about people tapping into their gifts their talents their abilities and everyone i think has unique ones and expressing that in some way and it's not going to be just in these these few boxes so yeah i wanted to hear your thoughts more on that or what you know even advice you have to either parents or individuals who are kind of Going through
1: that or thinking about that, you know, my my advice, you know, obviously, I understand parents would be apprehensive. You know, I think a little bit of that is just the immigrant mentality. We went through so much to come here. That's right. So then now it's all about making it in this country. But you know, the the, the way I think about it's like our families went through. So I, I think about my own family. They went through so much to come here, went through hell. So now that I'm here in this free country where there was. So many opportunities available for those who want to grasp them and take them. Mm-hmm. Isn't it a shame for me not to d- take advantage of that? Yeah. Instead of just going into something out of fear or out of shame or out of uh, the anxiety of it, not ha- of whatever career not happening or not having money and stuff. so it's so it's like it's like our families went through so much to come here. Mm-hmm. We can take advantage of that and do something bigger than we've done. The thing is, us Iranians, specifically, let's say us Iranians, we're right now. Let's say, in at the very least. In, a, in every major city in this country, we are people's doctors, they're lawyers, they're engineers, uh, surgeons and dentists. and But, you know, so we're part of the, the social zeitgeist in this country. Mm-hmm. Why can't we be on film and television, sure. too, just like everyone else? Mm-hmm. And until we do that, we're never going to be fully embedded. Because the sad part is that's media has such a grip on people the way sure. people look at the world and look at each other mm-hmm. that if we were able to be more on film television radio podcasts internet social media like more people are familiar with the culture more people are familiar you're going to hear less, oh, you're you're Iranian? Oh, does that mean you speak Arabic? You're going to hear less and less of stuff like that because people naturally are naturally going to become educated. Well, the only way that's going to happen is if we sort of take that step. Our generation and the new newer generation of Iranians who mm-hmm. either came here at a young age like me or were raised here and born here, raised here, um, we need to take advantage of that. And it's like my biggest thing i would say to parents and again i'm not a parent so i could easily hear feel, understand if a parent's like hey well you can't tell me how to raise children because you don't have any but i would say it's like if your child has a has a passion a dream a talent in that mm-hmm. or even a mild talent in it and has a drive please please don't stop them please yeah. let them at least go and fail and at least get that out of their system at least whether they know that I can't do it but I tried or I can do it I'm going to keep on trying mm-hmm. um we are a talented culture and and we also are a culture that really loves talent mm-hmm. like in, you know like in, i remember like my dad used to say that in iran whenever like the painters and poets and artists like everyone would say uh, like would refer to him as honarmand you know or like like um or stud, or, like you know, like, people had yeah. so much respect. So it's like, we're a, a culture that truly admires the arts. Mm-hmm. Why can't we get more involved in it here, now yeah. that we have these opportunities here? Absolutely. Um, little by little, things are changing in the industry, and people, even outside of Iranians, they want to see diverse stories told by diverse people. So I think this little by little, our time is coming, and the people out there who want to be a singer, if you want to be an actor, you want to be a writer, I mean... It's a really hard business. It's sure. very, very hard. But so is not fulfilling your potential. Absolutely. I feel like that would even be harder. You know, so I just hope that all my Iranians out there, especially the young folks growing up out here, just like you have the opportunities here, you have the resources here, mm-hmm. and I hope you go for it if you have a passion. I really yeah. do.
0: I, I think that's uh, you know well said. And um, you know something was interesting. I'm going to go back and I'm maybe come to the things you said at the end there it was interesting because you know a lot of people say well you know your parents came here and they sacrificed so much suffered so much to get here to any kind of immigrant uh, children of immigrants or people who immigrated at a young age and there's a sense that well because of that you should play it safe to make sure they feel okay but i think what you add is that perspective of well actually we're here in this land where there's more opportunity why not take advantage or it would be you know shame to not take advantage of the diverse opportunities that you possibly could have, which I, th- I think is really interesting. And it is tough for immigrants to not have that type of a scarcity mindset. They went through so much and they, they just want everything to be okay. So, you know, it's a, to have some sympathy for those parents too, we can understand where they're coming from. Even you were saying, you know, your parents, your father had good intentions that he was trying to steer you away from, from the arts. But I, I totally agree with you that we want to allow everyone to express themselves and who they are and their own talents. And I think, you know, you said the opportunity is there. It's only if we take it, whoever the artists are. They have to right. take those opportunities as you've been taking yourself to put yourself out
1: there and, and make it happen. It wasn't handed to you in any way. No, you know, I mean, I had no resources, you know? Like, I didn't know anyone in the industry, so I had to just sort of literally start from the bottom up. But the more of us that are in the industry, the less the next generation of people trying to get into the industry will have to start from the ground up, mm-hmm. you know? Like, there will be resources for, for people. Um again, I just feel like we are a talented culture of people and it's a shame not to pursue that. I totally understand that our families went through like hell to come here. So it's mm-hmm. like, you got to play it safe. And I get that. I totally do. But also it's like, I can't f- help but keep going back to the idea that, of that you only live once. And mm-hmm. it's like, any decision made from fear, I I question that decision. Sure. You know, like... um uh, now, when there was no, you know, my parents, they left Iran out of fear because it was during the war. Sure. And they were sick of, you know, getting, were sick of just sitting in our cellar mm-hmm. and just listening to bombs going off. And so that decision was made out of fear. But also it was made out of like hope too. Sure. You know, it's like, we're going to go here and we're going to make a life here. So it's, I feel like, yeah. Well, I think, you know,
0: we can differentiate possibly those fear where it's genuinely life and death or huge circumstances fear versus the fear of taking a chance or a risk or putting yourself out there, you know, which maybe we can consider that more like an anxiety than like a fear for life. So, yeah, I mean, you're living in Iran and there's bombs going off around you. That's a very real fear. If The fear of what if I do this and I don't make it is a different type of a fear. right? right? So right. I think you're right. We don't
1: want to make decisions based on that. Well, what I meant if. the fear. It wasn't. Well, the the fear really was like, because my mom was like, we got to get out of here. We, we got to go. We have to leave. And my dad was like, yeah, I get that. But are we really going to start f- new in an entire different country, yeah, entire different wow. culture? So that's really the fear I was sure. talking about. And oh, that's a time. very legitimate fear. And of again, course. I can't even, I don't know if I have the strength Me to do it. Me neither. That. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't know if I could be as tough as my parents were. I really don't. Um. So... Again, I, I totally understand what people want to make decisions to sort of make their parents happy because of how much they sacrificed. Yeah, but also it's like, I know it sounds selfish, but you kind of got to live your life too, like, because when your parents are gone, you're going to be left with the decisions you made for either yourself or them. Yeah, And I will say that parents, the thing they want to see most is their children happy, and if you happy doing and you're doing something you love. Even if you're not making millions of dollars a year, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I think that's still a pretty oh, I still I totally a, agree, a good exchange.
0: Yeah, you know. And going back, to you're saying I moved like I don't know three miles from my old place, and that was like stressful enough. Like moving to a different country, I don't oh, even I know what that would be like. So, um, but you know, like living that life, that's something we have in our culture. Unfortunately, is like we can have too much dependency. At times we're too interconnected. So family being close is beautiful, but we can be too close where we get in each other's way more than mm-hmm. we are just. You know, enhancing each other's lives. And so, yeah, that's something I see a lot with people in therapy of just realizing they're living their life for their parents. So, you know, of course, we want to respect them and we want to live a life that we feel good about and they feel good about. But unfortunately, you see too much where it's like, I have to live this life because it's what my parents want, not making the decisions ourselves. And that's why I think what you were saying before of letting your children try things from a young age, they might not even pursue that thing. But what I think is, sadly lost often as we tell kids not to listen to that voice within themselves that's mm-hmm. guiding them to what they want to do, what they're good at. They know you can't do that. You have to do this. And then so they start to just only externally lead their life. It's like, mm-hmm. what do others want me to do? Whether others telling me is the right thing to do, rather than listening inward of okay, what is that voice inside of me saying I like to do or, you know, is my passion and all of that. So I hope parents, you know, supposed they almost get afraid, like, well, what if they do this and they go into that? They might and maybe they'll be good at it, and that could be great. Or at least they'll try different things, and and you know maybe they'll build a skill, but go into something else completely. But giving them that space to explore
1: it, I think, is really important. Uh, absolutely. I mean, again, I'm I'm really in no position to comment about like what parents should do. I've never had a kid, but I I, I just saw what it did for me. And um, if I if somebody at a younger age would have sort of inspired me and made it okay mm-hmm. to do those things, uh, I would have gotten into it earlier and. You know, but again, everything happens for a reason. I sure. do believe that, and so, but I, I get it. It's got to be scary to be a parent. I, yeah, exactly. I mean, I work with reasons. a lot of
0: parents, and I always try to be mindful. It's so easy to say, "Oh, do this with your kids, do that with your kids," but actually having your kids and worrying about so many things, it's much easier said than done. Oh, sure. You know, I'm wondering for you, what was like? What were the motivations or inspirations like that kind of made you? really pursue this more who do, who do you think of as influences growing up or i'm sure there's so many but what made you think of this could i want to do
1: that did you what do you remember seeing i you know i used to watch like these compilation videos in iran when i was a little <laughs> boy of just like clips of other films put together like yeah. I, and um i just remember i i was just so inspired by movies and i i can't i i can't under i don't I don't think I understood what they really were. Sure, I just, to me it seemed like, oh wow, these are grown, a, grown adults that are literally sort of playing make believe in front of the screen. And that I found that so intriguing and I would fantasize about it ever since I was a little boy. Mm. And the thing is though, well, the fantasies never went away. I was still suddenly, I, I was like 25, 26. I'm like, man, I'm still thinking about this the way mm-hmm. I used to, it's never leaving me. Yeah. that's when I started realizing and I was so passionate about it like, I love movies and I loved acting and like at least watching and mm-hmm. um you know like I I loved Robert de Niro and Marlon Brando and um Denzel Washington and uh yeah and then mm-hmm. you know Mike Myers and I would watch a lot of Mel Brooks films and like these are all the things that kind of inspired me and I didn't really know that they were inspiring me yeah because I thought these fantasies were like normal everybody has them Uh, it wasn't until I got a little older I was like oh no no I think this is this is something that I'm passionate about I gotta at least give it a shot
0: you know all kids are very like yeah use their imagination but often people who become artists might have like
1: really been good at going into that world do you remember doing that as a kid like going into uh, my mom says like anytime you'd go out somewhere let's say you go watch go whatever go watch a movie or anything you would immediately come home and start drawing about it and like Mm -hmm. making your Legos and like about it and like she saw that like um, I was very inspired by spe- yeah. especially movies and the TV shows, Interesting, um, but I would just sort of reenact film scenes with my toys um, and then like the dialogue of the, of the films and, and um, like um, yeah that was sort of my little that's how I was sort of put myself in that world yeah, I mean, with the yeah and, and
0: stuff well it too. wasn't even and, and that's the things that like, kids don't even like it wasn't like you knew what you were doing but you were just so inspired that you know you had you were like expressing it in that way and so she would notice that whatever you saw you were kind of like and probably putting your own interpretation and yeah absolutely in yeah, yeah. so you're you know that creative side um, you know I'm doing this book with some friends called The Artist's Way and it's like a lot about connecting to the the inner child and the creativity and so kids we see it, and it's, you know, it's very cliche to be like, be like a kid like all that stuff but there's a lot of truth that they kind of like I was saying before, when they follow that intuition, it guides them to the places they need to go. So you would come home and something in you just like, you weren't thinking about it consciously, you were just drawn to acting these, these things out, which shows of something within you
1: that kind of had that interest or that passion for Absolutely. it. Absolutely, I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah. I had no idea what any of it meant. I had no idea that it was, a. I hadn't, I didn't look at it as a calling or anything like that. I was like, sure. this is just fun. But yeah. that feeling never left me, even when I was a young adult. And that's when I started realizing, okay, yeah I think something inside is me telling me to do this yeah which I
0: think is really like I said really cool because I think people seeing you you know I always think when people say oh so-and-so is like a natural or they were born to do that which is some truth but if you don't work at it and like work on the craft you're not just like where you are today is not just because you were born with it it's what you've done in this 10-15 years of right. working on the craft right to get there which maybe we can touch on too as uh, we're going to the commercial breaking into our last segment again my guest tonight actor comedian Paon Banifaz. we'll be right back Welcome back again, my guest tonight, actor and comedian Payom Bani Faz. And, uh, you know, many people, although they're hearing your voice, they might recognize the voice, but especially if they see your face, I think a lot of people will be recognizing, especially from many of the TV credits you have, but also um, the Instagram videos that we were talking about earlier that are just hilarious. Please check it out if you haven't already, pbani on Instagram. Um, you know, just curious, like how you mentioned it kind of just came about during the pandemic, yourself feeling anxious, couldn't perform in public and things like that, and started making mm. these videos. But yeah, like what what kind of you know led to that inspiration? Was it just something for fun? Um, what did you have in mind? I'm sure you couldn't imagine it was going to blow up the way that it did, or maybe
1: you did. But but what was that process? Oh no, like for I you? didn't yeah. think anybody would watch them. I mean, I, I the thing is, originally I you know I was telling you before we started, were that I was complaining that there's really no representation of Iranians or even Middle Easterners in general, mm-hmm. film, TV, even social media. And I was complaining about it. And a friend of mine basically said, hey, you know, why don't you do, you know, make some videos yeah. and whatnot. And and it really, if it wasn't for the the pandemic, I wouldn't have even started. But it was during the pandemic, as you said, I was a sort of bored, had nothing to do. Um, there was no auditions, and then there was no live shows, and then there's no production. and So I just started doing them, and I, and I, and I wanted to just sort of show my friends, who a lot of them are, are non-Iranian, just sort of kind of like a little bit about the culture and sort of laugh with me with it and just sort of put it out there. And then little by little people started sharing, and it sort of kind of started picking up. And um, yeah, the, the Iranian community just shown me an, an incredible amount of support and kindness and I I again I didn't expect people to really like look at them or anything. But um b- what I, I what most of my inspiration is that like the re- the little funny things I would see my dad and like some of my like family friends' dads and it mm. would, would do and then sort of comparing that, sort of putting it in perspective in terms of or the context of what that means or looks like in comparison to American culture. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And like, just kind of those are the things. Um, I just felt like there was a lot of things that we do in our culture that are funny that we forget how funny they are, but yeah. non Iranians would be like, either, hey, that's funny because we do that too, or that's just funny because it's funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of people reach, would reach out to me and they were very kind, like, oh man. How do you know that this is all? How all our dads? I was like, I don't know anything. All I know is this is how the people that I'm around behave. So it's like a, I have no higher understanding of like the behavior of uh, of uh, Iranian parents more than anybody else. It was just literally just sort of mimicking certain aspects of my dad, and it's certain aspects of my dad, sure. and I really exaggerated because my poor dad, the guy's like. <laughs>
0: Is you know I was th- going to ask about that. Does, does he watch the videos? Yeah, like- he does. He okay. loves them. He okay, loves good.
1: them, and I, and I think he understands that they're a, they're I exaggerate sure. greatly. Yeah, and so he doesn't take it personally. He finds it very funny, um, and I think he likes the fact that I'm doing something that um, is fun for me, and it kind of uh, and, and people seem to enjoy it, and then fellow Iranians enjoy it, and and it's like any type of positive thing we can get out there is nice because the media has been sort of just demonized Iranians for what over 40 50 years anything that's not about uranium enrichment or like whatever (laughs) I think is is welcomed by the Iranian community and again the the level of um support they've shown me is i'm just flabbergasted well i'm i'm sure you have
0: gotten a lot of kindness and level of support but it's because the videos are so good it's not just like charitable that people well, are you. <laughs> giving you that because they are really funny so like i said so many people when i i mentioned that i was having you on were just like so excited because they've watched your videos they laugh and you know so many of them like he's always spot on you know and so like you said maybe it's like drawn from your own family and i'm sure going to like you know family and friends and seeing different Persian families and things like that. But you do seem to capture a lot of the feelings and the experiences that people have. And like you said, I think that's something so cool about social media. And hopefully it'll be in the larger scale media as, right. as well Is that people didn't get to see their stories. Like, you know, so people would be like you know, their dad or their moms would do certain things, but they never saw it anywhere. And now you're putting it out there and they can see it on their phones or laptops or where they're watching. Like, Oh, like that's, that's me, or that's my experience. And there's something so powerful about people, Seeing their experience represented, yeah, even maybe in an exaggerated form or some kind of way that's that's made to be funny. But I think people really resonate with that, and they get really excited when they see something that
1: reminds them
0: of their own experience. You Th- know? That makes me really
1: happy because, like, um, I certainly would have wanted to see stuff like that when I was growing right. up. Yeah, you know, um, but my and just to your point, my my real goal is to now take to the next level and sort of basically. Have something like this on, uh, you know, in TV or in the movie theaters. Um, I think right now, with with how streaming is sort of the 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 streaming uh, companies are the biggest platforms, really media platforms yeah. for film and television right now. And it's like, and everybody all over the world has access to them for the most part. Mm-hmm. So I feel like right now is a great time to get a show uh, or a film. On let's say Netflix or Amazon Prime or whatnot, so like people all over the world can can watch it. And I think there is a huge untapped market um, that the studios haven't really been able, just haven't either willing or just haven't got what they're looking for to mm-hmm. sort of put it out there. But that's my ultimate goal: to, is to uh, have my own show and um, create and uh, create content that's uh, like that is about our culture mm-hmm. or includes our culture, but that everyone will watch it. Everyone will enjoy yeah. it, you know? Um, That's awesome. Well, yeah. but Look, you know, you're saying before about like your
0: friends are telling you, it's not out there, so make it. I- I'm glad you're, you're gonna be making it or you're gonna be putting that work in. Because I think it's great. You know, a lot of times people say at first, it's like, let's say, gay characters it was like the gay character would just be gay and that was like the thing right. or whatever it is and so like still Persian it's like oh the persian character is persian and that's like their thing but right. then soon we just want to have a persian family and yeah they're persian but it's more about them being a family and not just about them being right. persian right so it's like kind of more humanizing in that way and i think maybe we are getting more ready for that where it's not just like that's the defining thing about the family or the characters it's just that's part
1: of who they are but you know, there's gonna absolutely. Be you, you make a great point. I think um, up until now uh, and still going. Uh, often, Middle Eastern characters. The fact that they're Middle Eastern is the joke of it, mm-hmm. or the way they talk or like, "I like can, my friend, my friend," or you know, they'll yep. make jokes about camels and whatnot. But my goal is so that the, the the funny thing is not that they're Middle Eastern. The funny thing is that. They're funny characters, but mm-hmm. it's they're still Americans. This is about an American family who just happen to be Iranian, or about an American doctor who happens to be an Iranian. Mm-hmm. And, and these are the stories that I, I would love to tell. And um, already we see that the we see that the the market is starting to open up for it. It just takes a little vision from the, the studios and the execs and and the streaming networks to just sort of have some vision and sort of take a gamble on something that they don't understand or don't know. And um, I think you will do very, very well. Yeah. And I, I think really you're do.
0: right, you know, and, and that's what we're looking for diverse stories told by those individuals themselves. Right. So I think, it, you know, there's been a lot building up to it and, and I hope people are ready for it. And, and I hope people like you will take that step of creating something and then hopefully we'll, we will be seeing it on, we can binge some,
1: you know. Thank you. That would, yeah, that's my ultimate goal. That's my dream. Just uh, to be able to do that. Uh, luckily, I'm f- finally in the position to sort of be able to, you know, work on that. And um, it's obviously not easy. Sure. The development world is a, is a, is a, is a very difficult. Um, but. Um, Luckily, I'm making headway, and again, my that's just my ultimate Good goal. For you. So, and I think yeah.
0: that's and that's why
1: you know I alluded to it, I think in the first segment
0: this like quote unquote overnight success feeling that sometimes mm-hmm. people can get in different industries. and I mm-hmm. could see how for many people they hadn't seen your videos so let's say recently, and they might think, oh, this guy just like blew up out of nowhere. but you've been putting in the work, you know, you were in the uh, you know, upright Citizens Brigade for how long? like I was
1: years. yeah, uh, so I was at uh, the upright Citizens Brigade if, if for any of you listeners who don't know it, it's a uh, improv and comedy theater. Um, that was around for a long time. It was um, Amy Poehler from mm-hmm. Night Live was one of the founders. And um, I studied there for a long time and then I joined the main, uh, main stage team and performed there for almost 12 years. And it shut down. Um, it's been shut down since the pandemic. Um, but, uh, and then before that, I, I was lucky enough to study with, with some great uh, acting teachers in mm-hmm. LA and, um, so, yeah, I've, uh, you know, the, the, I, I never really liked the, the sort of the, this concept of overnight success. I, I think it's a myth, at yeah, least in our I, business. Like I totally agree like, with you, yeah. It takes decades to become overnight success. Yeah, yeah. Um, Because by the time you ready, for you to have that kind of success, you need to have that work put in. Mm-hmm. And um, you can't fake it. Yeah. For you, it to you, last I think I think you can you
0: can go viral. You can have a moment. Sure. But sure. to really make something lasting, it has to be something. And that you know, going back to our earlier conversation, I think the arts are wonderful and I hope more people will pursue them. And I think the words you shared, I hope will will encourage people. I also think what I always ask people is you need to ask yourself what's driving you. Because mm-hmm. some people, especially now I think, with social media, you can get famous for doing nothing now, really, right? Right? Not providing right. much, not sharing much. But I always say, you know, I hope what people will think of it is that you have a gift to share. So it's mm-hmm. actually you want to get famous not because you want to get the fame and the money or whatever comes Do with Do something you easier. Want to, well, you want to give, what I'm saying is you want to yeah. give something, right? Definitely. So I think you want to give, you know, you can have a singer who wants to be famous to get the accolades and the money and all that, or it's someone who wants to sing because they think they have a gift to share to Absolutely. the world. So I hope if you're listening, you know, and you're encouraged, I hope you are by these words, but you recognize it's not that we're saying go into the arts so you can get famous and rich and like have this cool life. It's that, you know, because you have something in you to share with the world, share that gift with the world and then yeah those other things might come with it but i think the intention is hopefully to give
1: rather than Absolutely. to get you know I, I would say that just from not my only from my experience but everyone that i know in this industry that's become successful if you want to be fam- rich and famous i say do something else <laughs> there are easier ways made perhaps to be rich yeah. and famous in this world um, don't become an actor don't become a singer don't become a writer because these things. The sometimes the only thing that will keep you going is your passion, is mm-hmm. your love for it. Mm-hmm. Because when you've heard a million no's and yeah. a million doors, you know, slammed in your face, time and time and time again, in those moments, in those moments when you're sitting by yourself and you're like on your knees, like crying because like you're like, when will this happen for me? The only thing that will keep you going is your love and your passion yeah. for it, not the love and passion of being rich and famous. Right. I think and that's such a so, good point. That, that was one thing I had to find realize because I didn't know I was like wait I, do I want to do this because I want to be rich and famous because I have maybe like a, some chip on my shoulder or is right. it through time I realized no no this is this is what I love and I think you got to find the passion in it you, I see the thing is like People Even people think, okay, you go to school and become a lawyer, and then you become successful. You go to uh, or school and you become a doctor. Become Those things still take a lot of passion. Sure. Mm-hmm. Anyone that you see is super successful in their career, it's from years of passion and work and blood and sweat and tears. Um, but especially in, in, in the entertainment industry, yes, please, folks, if you want to be rich and famous, just like, <laughs> I don't know, go and, I don't know, Record yourself farting in a grocery store and go viral. I mean, that's that's there is someone's gonna go do that right now. Yeah, I hope yeah. They'll please give, give credit
0: to Pion, please, if you do that. But you're right, I think it's like you know, it's a craft, it's work. And if you're doing it, just uh, you know, for me, success to be measured by what we give, not what you get. And so, you should give something to the world. And you might become rich and famous, but that shouldn't be your intention. And that's not gonna drive you. And like you said, if that's what you're going for, you're gonna quickly get discouraged because it's gonna take a long time to yes scratch the surface of any kind of field. Um, I am looking at the time. We do have to wrap up. I appreciate, you know, I think you're hilarious and I think I managed to make you not that funny for the last hour somehow because we just talked about (laughs) serious things. But please check out uh, Payam in so many TV shows movies uh, of course you're already probably following him on Instagram but if not check out his videos P pbany on Instagram it was a pleasure having you on I thank you so much I appreciate it. thank you for having me another big thanks to Payam for joining me tonight Payam Bani Faz and a big thank you to Amir here in the studio you've been listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Durlach we have a wonderful night